this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Would you open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians today? Ephesians chapter 6. Last week we started a message series called Fight Club. Fight Club. (laughs) I know some people are like, man, I'm a fighter. Other people are lovers. And they're like, I'm a lover. I don't like fighting. Well, you're going to fight whether you like it or not because we're all in a spiritual fight. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Can we read this together? In fact, I'm reading out of the New King James Version. If you don't have that version, you can just look on your screens. And I'd like us to read out loud and read us, read it loudly. And let's fill this house with the voice of God's word today. Can we do it? Ready? All together, let's read. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand. Father, we open our hearts to your word today. Holy Spirit, We pray that you would reveal your word, open up your word, illuminate the word of God, the holy word of God. Make it real, make it alive, make it active, make it apply to our lives. I pray that this wouldn't be a a boring dead word, but that it would be a word that would relate to each one of us today in Jesus' name. And every one of us said amen. Amen. This series is called Fight Club. We are in a spiritual fight, whether you recognize it or not. You know, some people are in denial about that. They just go, well, I'll just hide over here and I'll let the fight go on. I don't like fights and I'll just... No, you're in a spiritual fight. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against. We're wrestling against spiritual things. And I don't know about you, but I don't fight to fight. I fight to win. We're not talking about fight. Some people just like to be in a fight. You ever known that person, maybe it was in your high school, <laughs> that just liked to always get in a fight? There was a guy in my high school that I'm telling you, he was a little guy, and he just always liked to, I mean, every time he'd walk around, he just carried a chip on his shoulder. Someone would say something, he'd say, what? He'd give him the bird or, you know, give him the, the, the F-bomb or whatever. And I'm like, dude, that dude is big, and he has some big friends and stuff. He just wanted to fight. You know what I mean? Some people just want to fight. We don't fight just to fight. We fight to win. Somebody say amen. Did you know that God has a plan that we win every time spiritually? God has a plan that we win every... God plans for you to win every time. Um, in, in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, Paul the apostle said, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. Who always leads us in triumph. Notice he didn't say the destination's triumph. He said he leads us in triumph. In other words, we have a triumph parade. 
You ever see these these schools? Like I don't know what you know. I'm a, I'm kind of concerned to say any college teams uh, here in the South because everybody's you know got their own college team. But I see these teams like Alabama, Crimson Tide, you know, or Ole Miss, or some of these teams. Man, they they. I mean, you start you start, and they're just about to introduce them, and you almost feel like the anointing, you know, coming up over that. You know, I know it's not the anointing. I know somebody's like he said the anointing. No, I'm talking about it's like the whole crowd, and they're like boom boom and they walk out on that field and run down that field they already in their minds they already won the game do you know that's how we should be that's how we should live we should not live this life of like how are you doing the devil's got me. you know people people joke about it well you know i've got the devil on the run the problem is i'm running and he's running after me <laughs> we shouldn't even joke that way you know why we're joking about defeat we shouldn't joke about defeat. We should never be defeated by the enemy. We should never lose even a battle from the enemy. The, thanks be to God who, who leads us in victory. We should have a triumphant march every day of our life. We should wake up, and I don't care how crappy you feel in the morning. We should wake up ready to win. We should wake up re ready to kick some devil behind. Amen? Why? Thanks be to God who has given, given us the victory. We don't fight to fight. We fight to win. We cannot fight spiritual battles in the flesh. See, that's the thing. Some people who are fighters, they're like, that's right. I'm going to fight the devil. I cussed him out this morning. No, cussing out the devil is not going to help. You have to fight spiritual battles spiritually. Today, my plan was to talk about knowing your weapons. Why? Because weapons and authority go together. Weapons are assigned according to authority. I said weapons, think about it. Weapons are always assigned according to authority. You're entrusted with a badge of authority and, and a weapon to back it up. Think about law enforcement. They have a gun and a shield, right? A gun and a shield. If, uh, if they ever get into an altercation or you have a, a law enforcement that gets into a shooting, they take away their gun and their shield. Their gun is the power. Their shield is their authority, right? And they take it away, and it takes away. They're not a police officer anymore. They have to sit in a desk job. And if they come and give, give back their rights, what do they give back? Their gun and their shield, their authority and their weapon. Listen, if we're in a fight, it's always authority and power that go together. They're two different things. We don't have the power to beat up the devil. We have the authority. God's got the power. The police officer, the, the stoplight goes out. He stands in the intersection. He puts up his hand. He says, stop in the name of the law. Well, the cars could just run that guy right over, but they can't because the authority of the law enforcement backs him up, right? The military, they have all of these uh, badges of, of, of things that show their authority and their rank, Right? They're branching their rank. There's authority, and then there's power to back up the authority. You have, I have to, as I was going about, as I was going over things about knowing your weapon, I really felt like I needed to go back over and make sure that you understand about authority. Authority is so important because, you know, if you hand someone a weapon without them understanding about that weapon, what happens? Dangerous. Or nothing, <laughs> right? Nothing. So, uh, and also, let me tell you this. 
The Bible says go into all the world and make disciples. Do you know you make disciples who make disciples? How do you know that you understand about authority? You have to know to the point that you will be able to teach it. So the things that I'm going to go over some points right now, I want you to know it to the point where you can teach it to someone else. Okay. If they asked you, what is your authority in the Lord? You could explain it to them. Somebody just pulled out a pen and paper. Okay. Cause you say, I don't take notes. Yeah, you do. If you have to explain it, because let me tell you when the devil comes at you on Tuesday morning and you go, what was that authority thing again? You're going to want to know it. So, so pay attention to this. Uh, I want to just go over from the points. Let's start back from the beginning, and I'm just going to read scriptures and go through as quickly as I can. Okay, um, uh, let's start right back at the beginning. Look at Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 and verse, uh, verse 24, okay? Verse 24. It says, then God said, look at the scripture on the screen. Then God said, Genesis 1, let the earth bring forth the living creature, say this, according to its kind. In fact, every time it says in these two verses, according to its kind, would you just say that with me? Ready? Then the Lord said, bring forth the living creature, say it with me, according to its kind. Cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind. Cattle according to its kind. And everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. I want you to notice something again. That God created every living thing according to a class, a, speech, a species, and according to its kind. Animals were created in classes and speech, species, and they don't jump classes. In other words, cats can stay in the cat family. Dogs can stay in the dog family. right? Horses can stay in the horse family. But you can't breed a cat with a dog. Why? Because they're two different kinds of animals. What that shows is that evolution, you know, the, I guess just evolution of, you know, throughout time can be true to a certain extent, but not the way that it's taught in that it, you can crossbreed. Why? Because you don't see the crossbreeding of kinds. God didn't create it that way. You don't see, you, you can't breed a lion and a zebra. You just can't do it. Put them, put them in a, a pen Put some perfume on them, wash them up, give them some food, make them happy, whatever you want to do. They're not going to breed. Won't work. Thousand times in a row, won't work. You never see in between. It just doesn't work. That's why we, were, we are not animals. We are not created in the animal class. Somebody, not, not, not just my sister here. We are not created in the animal class. Okay. So number one, everything was created according to his time. Number two, man is created according, according to God. Okay, let me, let me show you this. Genesis 1, 26, it says, Then God said, this is right after, let us, everyone was created according to its kind. Then God said, let us make man according to our image and our likeness. So who were we created according to? I said, who were we created according to? A zebra? A monkey? A dog? A hippo? No, God. Okay, I want, I want you to see. God made man in his image and his likeness. We are distinct from animals. We were created in the image and the likeness of God. Let me clarify 
We are not God. We are not little gods. We will never be God. That's not what I'm saying. He said, we're gods. We're not gods. We were created in the image and the likeness of God. We're not monkeys. We didn't come from monkeys. We came from the image and the pattern of God. Why do you think the enemy hates us? Because we've been, he can't get to God, so he gets to his image. That high school girl, she hates that other girl in high school, and she can't get to her, but she takes her yearbook and crosses her out and does all that stuff. Why? She wants to get at her image. What does the, what does the enemy want to do? He can't get to God, but he wants to get to his image. He wants to get to you. We were created in the image and the likeness of God. In fact, if you look in Luke chapter 3, if you look at the genealogy of Jesus who was born man here on the earth. If you look back at the genealogy of Jesus, we look back from, from Jesus. He goes to Joseph and he goes back and he, we see David in there. We see Judah in there, Jacob in there. We see Isaac in there. We see Abraham in there. We see Noah in there. But it goes all the way back to Luke chapter 3 verse 38 and it reads this. The son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of... Did you know God is in your genealogy? Somebody says, hey, you know who's in my genealogy? Such and such this. And I go, you know who's in my genealogy? God. Someone's trying to figure out if that's sacrilegious or not. I don't know whether it is or not, but it's true. It's in the Bible. God traces man back to the father was God. It's written in the Bible. So, man was created according to God. Number three, man is given authority and dominion. Man is given authority and dominion. It says here, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over cattle, over the earth, over everything that creeps on the earth. So God created man in, just in case you didn't catch it, verse 27 says it again, God created man in his own image, in the image of God. Again, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed, by the way, can you say them? Then God blessed them. Can you say them? And God said to them, can you say them? Is them a man or a man and a woman? I want you to notice who he gave authority to. Did he just give authority to a man? Or did he give authority to men and women? Sorry, men. Okay. <laughs> then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. Here's where authority comes in. Subdue it. That word subdue. What does it mean? Bring it into subjection. What is he talking about? He's talking about the earth. Everything that has to do with the earth subdue the earth subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea the birds of the air and every living thing that moves on the earth so notice god said to them authority was given to both men and and to men and women he said to men and women subdue the earth govern the earth bring the earth into subjection and then he said to man have dominion over all living things did you know that you have dominion over a cockroach and did you know that the lion isn't the king of the jungle? You are? Did you know you don't need to be afraid of animals? 
You don't need to be afraid of animals. Why? Because he said, you don't need to be afraid of sharks. You don't need to be afraid. He said, have dominion over every living thing on the earth and subdue the earth. Man was given dominion, rule, and authority over the earth and all of life on the earth. And then in Genesis 2, verse 7, I'm skipping forward. It says, And the Lord God formed man, notice this, of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. I want you to notice two things happened. One is God formed man's body, and then another is God breathed into man the breath of life. Where did the body come from? Where did it come from? Yeah, he took dirt and he formed the man's body. And notice he took dirt, he formed the man's body, and man's body is sustained by what comes out of the ground. And when man's body dies, it, the body goes back into the ground. So notice that. He formed a man's body. The body came from the ground, is sustained by the ground. And when it dies, it goes back into the ground. But man didn't become a living being until he breathed into man. Notice who breathed into man. He didn't have an angel breathe into man. He breathed into man the breath of life. Say breath of life. He breathed into man the breath of life. The man's life came from God. Man's life is sustained by God. And when the, the life leaves the body, it goes back to God. See, man has the inside and has the outside. So the way he was created, he was created on the inside to live, be connected to God, and his body was connected to the earth. Okay, that's why he said, man shall not live by bread alone, the outside, but he lives by every word. And by the way, it says all the, the breath of the words of God were God breathed. Notice, by every word, God breathed. What? Boy, that's something right there. Did you catch that right there? Our bodies are sustained by, by, by physical nutrition that comes from the earth. But our spirits, which were started by the breath of God, are sustained nutritionally by the words that were breathed by the breath of God. All the words of God, if you didn't know where the Bible says that all of it came from God, it, it, the words literally are God-breathed. The spiritual nutrition we get is from the breath of God. That's number three. Number four. By the way, I don't just have three points. I have a lot of them. Okay, number four. Man is given a home, provision, responsibility, fellowship with God, and a free will. Uh, Genesis 2.15, it says, Then the Lord God took the man out, and he put him into the garden. Notice he gave him a home of Eden to tend it and to keep it. He gave him responsibility. By the way, responsibility is not a bad thing. Sometimes people go, he gave him a job? No, a job's a good thing. A job's a blessing. He gave him a home and he gave, he gave him a home with all the trees, all the nutritional things to eat, to sustain his life so that he thrived. And then he gave him the responsibility to take care of it. He fellowshiped with him daily. He gave him free will. Listen to this. He put him in the garden to tend it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded. And he said, every tree of the garden you may freely eat. Notice that God created man to live in a garden environment. That's why we all love nature. Why? Because God created man to live in a garden environment. 
And then he gave them the responsibility to care for it. And he gave them food to enjoy and to live. But, and then he said in verse 17, But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day you eat of it you'll surely die. And someone says, but that's the first bad thing God did. No, that was actually a good thing too. God gave man free will choice. Amen. God didn't make us robots. Because if he'd have made us robots, we would have had to do everything. But what did God do? He said, everything, freely eat. But see this tree over here? Don't eat it or else you're going to surely die. He gave him free will choice. All blessings. God gave him free will choice to obey him or not. He gave him responsibility. He gave him a consequence. The words, you shall surely die, is actually the Hebrew word, muth, muth. It's M-U-T, M-U-T. When it's translated, M-U-T, M-U-T, muth, muth. It just really is the words die, die. Or we would say, dying, you shall die. He said, in the day you eat of it, dying, that day you shall die. Because someone might say, well, they ate of the tree and she didn't eat and drop dead like it was poisonous. No, she ate and she, they continued to live for many years so they didn't really die. Yes, they did. Dying, they died. Well, they had two deaths. Well, let me ask you, when I went back to how they were created, they were created in two different ways. One was the earth they were created, and one was the breath of life they were created, right? right? They were created on the outside, and they were created on the inside. So if they didn't drop dead physically when they sinned, what part of them must have died? The inside. Spiritually, something died. And then eventually, the physical part of them died. See, up until that point, man would have lived forever. There would have been no death. Death was only came from sin. I thought we're talking about the fight and authority. I am. I'm showing you how this all works and how God gave dominion, how God created us to operate and what he redeemed back for us. He says here, the day you eat of it, dying you shall die. Dying spiritually, you shall die physically. What's the point? When Adam sinned, he didn't die physically that day, but he did die spiritually that day. Point number five, the serpent tricked man into questioning God. Look at this, Genesis 3, Genesis 3, it says, now the serpent was more cunning, read it with me, now serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God has made. By the way, we read earlier in uh, Ephesians chapter 6 that, uh, lest you, that you'll be able to stand against the wiles, the schemes, the tricks. I want you to look at the very first introduction of Satan here. Stand against the tricks of the devil. Do you know that the, the, only, the only superpower, you know, every superhero has a superpower. You know, the only super, superpower the enemy has is tricks. It's the only one. He doesn't have any other superpower. He has tricks. He has schemes. It's always what's mentioned about him. It's tricks. So he says, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman... Notice how he tricks us with questions. Has God indeed said you shall not eat of the tree of the garden? By the way, let me tell you how Satan works, how he, how he tricks you and I. He still does it today. He questions you to get you to question what God said and get you over to what God knows. Did God really, I don't know about what God said. God knows still does it today. He gets you to question what God said, because if he can get you to get, if, if he can get you to question what God said, then he can get you over into reasoning and to thinking. 
See, that's what he did to Jesus when he was trying to get him on those three temptations. And what did Jesus did? Jesus didn't bring it back to what God knows. He came back to what God wrote. It is written. What God said. The enemy will always try to get you off of what, away from the word and into reasoning. And the way to fix those tricks is to get back to what God said. He said here, he was cunning and he said, has God indeed said you shall not eat of the tree of the garden? <laughs> well, some, someone, you know, I, I've heard someone say, well, how do we even know that was Satan? Well, let me just say that real quick, just in case you wanted that. Revelation chapter 12, verse 9 says, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast down to the ground, and the angels were cast out with him. Okay, that's how we know it's Satan. All right, let's move on. Satan got Eve to begin to questioning God, which caused her to question what God said. And then what happened? Once she questioned what God said, now she started looking at the tree. How many of you know that if God told you not to eat of something, you shouldn't be looking at it? If God told you not to date that guy, you shouldn't be looking at his Instagram. I'm just seeing, I'm just seeing what I'm missing. Yeah, that's what Eve was doing. She was just seeing, I'm just, I'm just praying for him. It's just evangelism. Holy ha, 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 It's evangelism. No, it's temptation. You shouldn't be looking as a, the Lord, if the Lord told you to stay away from it, stay away from it. But what, what did the enemy do? He just asked a question. If the Lord told you don't do that business, don't get with that company, don't keep looking up the website. Well, I just want to see if they've changed or see what it's all about. Because what will happen? Eventually, you're going to see that it's good for food, pleasant to the eyes, desirable to make one wise, and eat of it. I want you to notice what the tree was. The tree was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It wasn't the tree of evil. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because the point wasn't whether the tree was good or whether the tree was evil. If the tree wasn't God, the tree was wrong. Sometimes we can reason our way out of things that God said don't do. And you justify. And if you can't get yourself over and convince yourself, you call the person, the friend who might help you to get you over. And then say, I got a confirmation. She began to look at the tree. The devil got her questioning God, looking at the tree. She eventually looked at the tree, saw that it was good for food. Number six, she saw that it was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, desirable to make one wise. And she took of its fruit and she ate and she also gave to her husband. Notice where her husband was. Where was her husband? 
See, sometimes people point out that and they're like, yeah, see, it's the woman. It's the woman, man. The man was over here, like over here worshiping. Oh, I love you, Lord. The woman's over here. The woman eats that fruit. And then the woman, the, the man comes by. He's like, I was just over here worshiping. And she's like, hey, honey, you want a snack? And he's like, oh. he's like, what happened? You know, no, the man was with her. He was right here. He knew what was going on. Gave it to a husband who was with her. Look at, and he ate. And what happened? Then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and they made themselves covered. So notice, number six, man sinned and died spiritually. What happened? The woman saw that the tree was good for food. She took of its true fruit and she ate. She, she sinned. She did what God said not to do. And in the day that she ate, she died spiritually. Something changed inside of her. It says then. Say the word then. Verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves, say the word, coverings. I want you to notice that what knowledge, the knowledge of good and evil did was it made them cover up. See, when you eat of something that you're not supposed to eat of, when you partake of something that you're not supposed to take of, it does, it might open up your awareness where you're more aware of things that are going on. But I'll tell you what you have to do now. Now you have to cover up. Can I tell you, it's not always better to know more. More education is not always better. I'm not just talking about school education. I'm talking about reading that article, knowing that book, knowing that what they said, knowing what this. More information is not always better. The Lord actually told him, I don't want you to know this. I don't want you to be aware of this. Was God trying to hold back something to them? No, he didn't want them to get distracted. They didn't need to worry about it. God was their sufficiency. God took care of everything they needed. Why did they have to be aware of how God was providing for them? Why, why did they have to be aware of how the presence of God covered them and shielded them? And now they ate of a tree to where they had to understand and be aware of their own insufficiency, their own insecurity. So man sins, he ate of the tree. She saw, she reconsidered what God said, she ate. The eyes of both of them were open. And then, after the sin, the eyes of them were open. It's not whether, again, it's a good decision or it's a bad decision. If it's not a God decision, it's a wrong decision. What was the result? They became self-aware. Say self-aware. They became self-aware. They knew more. But more wasn't better for them. They became aware of their own nakedness. They became aware of their own insecurity. They became aware of their own vulnerability. They created things to cover up, to self-preserve. You know, sometimes you see, and you, if you have kids, and kids might be in the middle of danger, and you don't always point out the danger, you just pull back the kid from the danger. And you say, just come over here, and they say, what's wrong, mom, dad? Oh, nothing. Nothing. That's what God was doing. Oh, nothing. No, I want to know. No, you don't want to know. No, you don't. No, I want to know. No, you don't want to know. Sometimes we eat of trees that the Lord says not to. 
Number seven, man became self-aware and he hid from God. Look at this, verse eight, it says, then they heard the sound of the Lord, God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. See, God would walk and talk with them. In fact, that word sound, 400 out of the 500 times that word's used in Hebrew, it was translated the voice, the voice. Notice they, they heard the voice of the Lord. Well, who's the voice of the Lord? We know Jesus is the voice of the Lord. He, he heard the voice of the Lord, the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And notice what Adam and Eve did. They hid themselves from the presence of God. What does sin do? Causes you to hide from God. Hid themselves from the presence of God among the trees of the garden. Notice. They hid themselves from the presence of God. Every time we sin, it causes self-awareness. Self-awareness, which causes insecurity. And then when we become insecure, we cover up. And then when we cover up, we get into hiding. And when we get into hiding, we get into a lifestyle of sin. But it all started with questioning what God said. Did we really gain? We didn't. Verse 9, then the Lord God called to Adam and he said, where are you? He's walking through the garden. Where are you? And so he said, I heard your voice. There's the word voice. I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. I think this is one of the funniest questions in Genesis. And, and the Lord said, who told you you were naked? I don't know about you. I've never had to have someone tell me I was naked. But listen to the question. Who told you you were naked? See, they had never had a feeling of being exposed before. A feeling of embarrassment before. The presence of God causes absolute security. Absolute fulfillment. In your presence, Psalm 16, 11 says, is fullness of joy, pleasures forevermore. And you're enthralled, you're, 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 you're clothed, covered in God's presence. And he said, who told you you were naked? Did you eat of the tree that I told you not to eat of? You can hear God's heart in that. Have you eaten from the tree? See, when you're obedient to God, you have a lot less to think about. When you're obedient to God, you have a lot less to think about. When you're trying to con God, argue with God, wrestle with God, your life becomes really confusing. But simple obedience brings a very simple life. I think the Lord's speaking to somebody right now. I think the Lord wants to tell somebody right now, don't you know I have your best interests in mind? Don't you know I, I've already been to your future and I have it all planned out? And I plan to end from the beginning. And I'm not concerned about your future like you are. And I just want you to listen to me and trust me. 
I just want you to obey me. The plan that I have for you is beautiful. The plan that I have for you, you can't attain on your own. You can't do enough to get it. If Adam and Eve would have just listened to me, they would have had everything they needed. And God, we come before you today and we open our hearts to you. The word repent just means change your mind. And we change our mind. Would you do that in any areas if there's something you need to repent for? I don't care how, I don't, Jesus said if you need to chop your hand off or pluck your eye out, talking about extreme, do it. God, whatever the case may be, I just sense that there's some in the room today that there may be some extreme things that they need to make choices, but God, you've got such a beautiful plan for them in the future. And I pray, Lord, that nobody in here would just go beyond this word and just say, oh, that was a nice sermon. No, Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would convict every person, every man, every woman, every child, every older person, every person in this room today, every person watching online today. I pray, God, that we would grab this word and we, God, would surrender our hearts to you in Jesus' name. Come on, take the next minute or so and just repent out of your own heart. Say, God, I give my life to you fresh. I give my life to you new. God, areas that I've been resisting you, areas that I've been fighting with you, areas that I've been wrestling with God, areas that even you've told me not to do this or to do this, Lord, and to step into. God, areas that I've been arguing with you or trying to get a confirmation or getting one that I, Lord, just, I just know in my heart it's not right. God, I serve you today. I follow you today with my whole heart. I yield myself to you today in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray for all of my brothers and sisters today and here. I pray that we would be a church who's obedient to the Lord. I pray that we would be a church who's faithful to Jesus. I pray that we would be a church, Lord, who follows after you and your heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.